Disrupting Japan, Episode 92. Disrupting Japan is sponsored by Justa. Now, I've known the team at Justa for years, and I've been recommending them long before they became a sponsor. Justa is really the only recruiting site that gets bilingual startups. Whether you're looking for American engineers or Japanese sales staff or the other way around, Justa can help you out. Unlike recruiting companies, they are priced to be very startup friendly, and unlike job boards, they're an active part of the startup community here, and they're trusted by some of the best talent Japan has to offer. So drop by justa.io and see what they're about. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Takehiro Ogita started Town Wi Fi as a simple way to allow Wi Fi hotspots to be accessed and shared to mobile phones or mobile device users in general. There are a number of free Wi Fi finding apps out there today, but there are a few particularly interesting things about Town Wi Fi. First, unlike almost all their competitors, Town Wi Fi has found a way to monetize this app, and while they're not yet profitable, they are earning revenue. Second, and I love this for so many reasons, the dominant player in this space when Town Wi Fi launched their product was NTT. And Little Town Wi Fi has absolutely crushed NTT in the marketplace. Don't get me wrong. I like NTT. I have friends at NTT. NTT is actually doing a lot of positive things in the area of corporate development and open innovation. The reason Town Wi Fi's story is so inspiring is that it would have been absolutely impossible 10 years ago. Back then, NTT Docomo was not only the dominant mobile carrier. But strictly controlled which apps would be allowed to be featured on their platform and sold to their subscribers. This may sound vaguely like the way Apple runs the App Store, but、uh, it's not. At that time, Japanese carriers would select one or two apps in each category, usually from closely associated companies, and then lock everyone else out. Apps did not really compete with each other. And there is no way that a serious challenger to the carrier's own app, let alone one made by an independent upstart, would have been allowed inside their walled garden. Things are changing for startups in Japan. And when tiny little startups begin to beat NTT at their own game, it means great things are on the way. But you know, Takahiro tells that story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsor and get right to the interview. Some of Japan's largest companies are starting open innovation programs and actively reaching out to global startups. They're new at this, and that's where Crew, with two W's, comes in. Crew runs corporate startup accelerators for companies like Toyota and Panasonic and dozens more. And these programs are one of the best ways to jumpstart your business in Japan. Many are open to global startups and they're completely free. Now, I've known and worked with the crew team, 
and they're probably doing more than anyone to bridge the gap between corporate Japan and global startups. So drop by crew with two W's dot M-E slash four hyphen startups and get started. So I'm sitting here with Takehiro Ogita of Town Wi-Fi. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Thanks for having me. Town Wi-Fi is a, an app that helps you find free Wi-Fi hotspots, but I know it's more than that, and you can explain it better than I can. So why don't you tell us what Town Wi-Fi is? Um, we are providing an app which can auto-connect and authenticate to the public Wi-Fi. Our biggest point is that we are auto-authenticate and auto-login and auto-register to every public Wi-Fi of the world. So that, that means that the, the user can just kind of keep this app running in the background. Exactly. And the phone will just automatically connect to publicly available Wi-Fi uh-huh. when it can. Yeah. There's many public Wi-Fi spots in Japan and Korea and overall. The UX of using Wi-Fi is not good at all. It's the Wi-Fi mark at the uh, iPhone. You cannot connect right after that. You have to open up the Safari. It will redirect to the registration pages of each Wi-Fi. Right, right. It's super annoying. You've got to go through at least three or four different pages and exactly, forms. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So the, the, the real selling point is all this happens in the background. Exactly. Excellent. Tell me a bit about your users. So who's using this? How many hotspots do you have registered? How many companies? How many subscribers? We have 1.5 million uh, Wi-Fi spots all over the world. Wow, that's a lot of spots. So how many of those are in Japan versus global? In Japan, we have 300K. Okay, so most of the spots are overseas. U.S. at most. How did you register all these spots? How did you find the, the location? We are not talking with each Wi-Fi provider. Mm. That's super tough negotiation for right. that app, which is not famous at all, like us. What we do is that um, we just support the registration flow of the users. So contract is based on users and Wi-Fi provider, like u- users and Tokyo Metro, or users and Starbucks. But how do, you, how do you support that? If you're here in Japan and you've got Bob's Coffee Shop in yeah. central uh-huh. Missouri, uh-huh. how do you know oh, yeah. what steps you need to take to register and log in there? We have two different ways to do that. One is to I just go there. Okay. I, I go, just go to um, Starbucks at San Francisco. Well, something tells me with 1.5 million hotspots, that's not, <laughs> that's not really a practical approach. Well, well, it is, actually. Because if I went to Starbucks at San Francisco, then connect to Starbucks Wi-Fi, we would just build it the same interaction into our apps. What users have to do is just uh, set up the first, first sign. And if we handle one Starbucks Wi-Fi, the authentication is same. We're not sure about where exactly the Wi-Fi spot is, but our app will connect when there is Wi-Fi around them. And next, we will uh, analyze the log data of users. Where did they fail? If user tried to access to the public Wi-Fi, which we don't know, there are log will come this SSID and this kind of uh, registration pages. And by analyzing that, 
we will make that Wi-Fi into our town Wi-Fi. I get it. So the first time a user visits a location, they manually go through the process, yeah. then it's in the system and everyone can use it after that. Exactly. And I guess similarly, if, if a location changes the protocol used to log in, uh -huh. the first person logging in after that has to go through it and then everyone else is updated. Kind of that, yeah. All right. We are um, tracking the Wi-Fi success ratio. If the Wi-Fi manager change the registration flow, we can detect it and fix it and release it. Now, on the, on the user side, the subscriber side, how many people are using Town Wi-Fi? We have more than 2 million users and 1 million are active. And that's also global or mostly Japan? Well, Satse is uh, mostly Japan. We're trying to expand global and we are handling Korea and US Wi-Fi. It's growing, but not so fast as we expected. Okay. What is Town Wi-Fi's business model? How do you make money from yes. this? Uh, we have two business models. One is making user pay, and another is utilizing the Wi-Fi data. Okay. And the first one, it's very simple. We will handle the paid Wi-Fi. Like, if you pay 300 yen, you can access to certain Wi-Fi. There exists all over the world, and we're talking to that Wi-Fi provider. We will sell at 300 yen, so they will wholesale to us, like 100 yen. So in those cases where there is no free Wi-Fi available, the phone would default onto the paid Wi-Fi. Yeah, and we will let users that, hey, there is paid Wi-Fi, but how are you using it? It is uh, more targeting to the travelers. Like, especially in China, there is a China Telecom Wi-Fi. It's all over China. Right. Yeah. And on the, the Wi-Fi provider side, uh -huh. What kind of data are you selling? Yeah. Uh, we are saying two data. One is Wi-Fi request data. Users are saying that, hey, I want Wi-Fi at this shop. And we are setting that data to Wi-Fi sales company. Then they will call shops that three people are wanting uh, Wi-Fi at your shop. How about making it? How do you get that data if the application is running in the background? Oh, well, um, you usually have to do it manually. Oh, okay. There is a request pages, a request tab at our app. Oh, I see. So it would be maybe there is a coffee shop in the middle of a, an area with no Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. And this would be a good way to get more people into the shop. Is Wi-Fi still an effective way to draw customers into a, a shop? Wi-Fi is not needed to all the shops. It basically uh, depends on what kind of users are going there. So we are just creating the list based on user needs. So if there are like more than five people requested, there is a need for your shop for creating Wi-Fi. Especially young generations or people who change to cheaper telecom services, they will reduce the cost, but also reduce the amount of data volumes. And another is that we are providing Wi-Fi da dashboard to each Wi-Fi providers. Like, they don't know who are using their Wi-Fi and when it's used, or is that repeater or uh, new users? We are providing that dashboard. And on top of that, Wi-Fi provider can contact to users when they connect to Wi-Fi. Well, I can see the value in contacting users when they connect, sending them messages and things. but. 
don't the shops already have access to the information on how many people are connecting and how many uh, repeat users there are looking at their own log files? Well, basically it depends. Some Wi-Fi provider, like telecom services, are providing them the data, but um, they're providing by like Excel file. Uh, okay. And it's hard to analyze. We are making that very smooth and good UX. Excellent, makes sense. Hey, before we dive deeper into the technology and the business, uh-huh. I want to back up a bit and talk about you for a minute. Uh-huh. So before starting Town Wi-Fi, you worked at Rakuten for a few years. Exactly. And you graduated from Keio. Yep. And what I've noticed, both Rakuten and Keio University seem to produce a large number of startup founders. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why is that? Well, talking about Rakuten, uh, one big thing is that it is founded by the p- person who quit the big company and start their own company, and it is succeeding, like Mikitani. Mikitani. So, so Mikitani is... is a role model for us that, I won't say that the best role model, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but great role model, quitting the big company. So now that Rakuten is the big company, yeah. it's sort of inspiration for all the employees to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, some of them, yeah. But um, practically speaking, I have no intention to quit Rakuten and start my startup at all. Really? Yeah. My motivation is to make things better. So I would like what I'm doing. Why, why I quit is that I want to do these services, and I'm obsessed that I should do it. And I thought that this is the best things for in, uh, Japanese internet services, especially young generation. They want to use it, but they're uh, quitting to use internet because of this. You were saying you didn't really want to leave Rakuten and start your own company. Uh-huh. So what made you decide to do that? What made you decide to do that instead of running town Wi-Fi as kind of um, an open source project or a hobby project? I didn't think about a hobby because I was obsessed. I, I, want, I want to focus to this. But what I think first is that let's do town Wi-Fi inside Rakuten. Yeah. Okay, there, so you try to do it as a Rakuten project. Yeah. Oh. There are Rakuten Mobile. So I thought that it will be kind of synergy. And I pitched to um, some uh, member at Rakuten Mobile. And it was positive, but it was stopped at the higher layer. Uh-huh. And they didn't get it at all. So um, I sh- whether, uh, my only way is that quit Rakuten or quit this idea. And you quit Rakuten. Yeah. What did your co-workers and your family think about it? Were they supportive or were they worried about you leaving this big safe company to start your own company? Yeah, um, I didn't tell to my family at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I just... <laughs> they, they thought you were still working for Rocket yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, several months after I quit, I went back to my, to my family's for the summer and Oh, hey, by the way, I quit Rakuten. <laughs> they were super surprised. <laughs> they were not happy with your decision? Yeah, they were not happy at all. Yeah. Um, my mother and father is work at a big company, traditional Japanese company, so they cannot understand at all. Yeah. yeah. But I quit it, so 
there's no point of going back. I, I think a lot of young Japanese founders find themselves in exactly the same situation. Actually, a lot of older Japanese founders find themselves <laughs> in that situation too. Getting back to town Wi-Fi, who is your competition in Japan, for example? There are one big, uh, big competitor, Japan Connected Free Wi-Fi app. Mm -hmm. It is provided by NTT BP, NTT um, subsidiaries, so it's super huge. Yeah, well-financed, big well budget. Financed, yeah, um, promoting at every places. But I think they are running for four years, and we are running for one year. But download number is same. We reach it four times faster than them. And I think that active user is far higher than them. Why is that? How, what, what did you do that NTT couldn't do? We, uh, we do two things. One is UX is far better. Talking about NTT VP's app, they have to connect to Wi-Fi first. And after that, they have to, uh, they require users to open their app and push the connect button. It's super annoying. Yeah, NTT is kind of famous for bad UI design. <laughs> yeah. Users don't want that. that. They want to use Wi-Fi like cellular uh, network. No need for connecting or no need to authenticate, just connected. Don't even think about it. Don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So some of our users don't know about Wi-Fi at all. They heard about Wi-Fi is, if they use Wi-Fi, they don't have to worry about the cell data. So they install our app. There is some inquiry that I install your app, but I'm not connected to Wi-Fi. Where are you? Oh, I'm at, at my house. <laughs> is there Wi-Fi? No, there, there's no Wi-Fi. I don't provide Wi-Fi. But you said that there, this is Wi-Fi app. So I have to start from that. So you, you to, have to, to go manage through. the expectations, <laughs> yeah. yes. But that's the way um, you're just thinking. Because young generations, but they don't use PC at all. So they think Wi-Fi as a cellular network. They can connect everywhere. They wanted that, so we are um, trying to do as much as we can. So, how did you get the word out? So, NTT is your main competitor here. Uh -huh. They have shops and billboards and pre-installed apps, and they have incredible power and reach. Uh -huh. It's one thing to build a better app, but how did you get the word out? How did you let people know that Town Wi-Fi existed? Well, I cannot say that at all, because we did nothing. Just word of mouth? Just word of mouth. And after we, we released our app one year ago, two weeks after we released, users started coming. And I think that one month after release, we get 300,000 users. So uptake was pretty fast yeah. from the very beginning. I didn't expect it at all. <laughs> we were so panicked that our server was not that much. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it, it sounds like you've tapped into something that is, that is really needed. Exactly. Yeah. And that NTT was just not doing a good job of providing. Earlier, you mentioned that Wi-Fi started out mainly for PCs and laptops. Do you think this business model will continue to be important in the future? What I mean by that is more and more people are using mobile. Uh -huh. Uh, mobile obviously has its own data plan, and even the mobile phone's data plans are getting more and more generous. For example, I tend to use my smartphone as my own personal hotspot. 
So do you think that trend is going to work against you in the future and that there will be less need for public Wi-Fi in general? Or do you think that this is something that will continue and remain strong? I think that's very uh, important questions. But uh, the point is that what will be the price of that? Currently, our cellular company provide GigaMonster plan, like 20 gigabyte per month, only for plus 1,000 yen. I thought that that will impact our business, but it didn't impact at all. And I heard from some of my inside sources that many people are changing the plan from GigaMonster to cheaper plan. Okay. Even as these plans become cheaper and cheaper, people still prefer free over even a small cost. Exactly, yeah. Uh, We're thinking ourselves telecom services, not Wi-Fi auto-connect services, because 10% of our users are not having contract with the telecom services. They totally depend on Wi-Fi only. 10%? Yeah, it's quite huge. I think that that trend is more likely happening at at the Southeast Asia, like Vietnam, Indonesia, and Malaysia. They want to spend low costs, preferably zero. They are uh, using a prepaid, looking for Wi-Fi at every place. Well, I guess it's true. No matter how cheap you get, free is always better. Yeah. So we... I also suppose that no matter how much bandwidth the data plans give away, we're just going to be using more and more bandwidth anyway. Exactly, yeah. So... um, like us, we're a businessman. We need high speed and high quality, and maybe high price cellular data, but not for all of it. 30% of the population can be handled by low cost or maybe zero cost with the internet. It would seem that the two groups of users who would be most anxious to use town Wi-Fi would be those who do not have or can't afford uh, a data plan or connectivity at all and rely on Wi-Fi, and travelers who are, you know, data roaming is very expensive no matter where you're going, Mm -hmm. and who don't have a data plan where they are. Exactly. So I said there's two business models for paid Wi-Fi and utilized Wi-Fi data. Paid Wi-Fi is for travelers. We can provide that alternative uh, mobile routers For Wi-Fi dashboard, it is for local users to uh, provide more benefit to Wi-Fi providers. Does focusing on foreign visitors put you at odds with the shops that want to use the dashboard? By what I mean is, do most of the coffee shops and restaurants, are they focused on getting repeat steady customers with the offer for Wi-Fi? or are they just as happy to get someone in there one time who's just passing through town? Well, they want repeaters. Getting new users or making repeat more repeated is far better at cost. So they want to shift to that, and our dashboard will be a strong tool for it. Okay. Let's talk a bit about your your global expansion plans. Uh So you mentioned that the, the first target is the Korean market and then the U.S. So why Korea and the U.S.? And how are things going? First, we think that travelers will need Wi-Fi. And on top of that, Japanese users are using it. 
So we first focus to the country that Japanese user users are traveling. Ah, okay. And traveling to Japan too, because if Korean people come to Japan, if they have our apps, it is connected everywhere, and they were surprised that there's no need for mobile routers. That makes a lot of sense. So, what is the competitive landscape look like globally for this kind of an app? Yeah, I found one competitor at China. They are doing similar things, but、um, it is located only in China. They are not expanding global at all. So, perspective of expanding to global and analyzing every Wi-Fi of each every country, I think that's only us are doing it. The, what are apps like Wi-Fi Finder and、um, Wi-Fi Mapper?、Uh-huh. Are those only maps? They don't do the auto authentication part. Exactly. Yeah, they to locate the Wi-Fi face、uh, and like Wi-Fi password sharing. They share the password which have to connect to Wi-Fi. So not auto authentication. So just providing information. Yeah. So what is your marketing strategy going global? In Japan, word of mouth very quickly pushed you up to the top of the app charts.、Mm-hmm. What's your strategy for the U.S. and Korean markets? First, we are expanding the country. First,、uh, this month we will expand to Taiwan and Hong Kong and Macau. After that, we will improve our coverages and quality of the Wi-Fi. After. We expand the, to a certain coverages. We hope that it will same word of mouth will happen. But if not, we are thinking that focusing to Taiwan and do some paid marketing. Well, if it takes off with word of mouth alone, that's that's ideal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try that first. Here we have、uh, one hypothesis. The point we expand by word of mouth. Was that after we covered more than one hundred thousand Wi-Fi spot? Okay, so that seems to be the the tipping point. Yeah, and it will be a little less in Taiwan since it's smaller. Yeah, but in Taiwan we find more than two hundred thousand Wi-Fi spot. Oh, so not only the number, but also but the density will be the tipping point. Korean and U.S. The density is not high right now, but in Taiwan, density is quite the same or more than Japan. So we're hoping that. So Taiwan is your real test case for yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like town Wi-Fi has very much grown on its own,、uh-huh. and things have gone pretty well. But but looking back on it, what do you know now, or what do you understand now that you wish you knew? When you were first starting、oh, out, that's super good questions. I wa- I have many things I want to tell <laughs> to one year. First, I quit Lakten at two thousand two thousand fifteen May, and our growth start from two thousand sixteen May. Okay. So there was one year, dark one year. <laughs> <laughs> so you wish you would have kept your your day job a little longer. Yeah, we.、Uh, I just can't resist quitting because I was so obsessed of this idea. I quit by myself, no co-founder at all. I just quit and I、uh, start、uh, coding. 
When I was in Rakuten, I was trying to do the sound Wi-Fi as side project. But as you mean, Rakuten is super hard. <laughs> it's tough work environment. So I can't do it. So I just quit it. But um, that was too early for me. At that time, after we, I released the app, it didn't work at all. We start from uh, app. App name was Wi-Fi Share. Same concept, but um, Wi-Fi providers was not the shop, but the each individuals, like C2C. The problem is that, which is first, provider or users? Right, any two-sided marketplace, you've exactly. got the, the chicken and egg problem. Exactly, and that happened. There is some provider and some users, but it didn't match at all, and it, we were struggling. And after we focused to the B side, and we decided that we will collect the Wi-Fi by ourselves, and providing 150,000 Wi-Fi spot, it breaks. Okay, so you built up the business side by yourself yeah. and the consumers found it useful. So what I want to say to myself is that even you think that idea is great, but don't quit uh, your company, don't stop the revenue. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good advice. Well, listen, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. If I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the legal system, anything at all to make things better for startups in Japan, what would you change? I'll definitely change um, Japanese people's mentalities to the startup. Because there was many complain or negative word, harsh word from, to me when I start this company, this services. From parents or friends? No, uh, from the, the people who I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, like to, to, from the Twitters or maybe Facebook or the blog. What were they saying? They saying that I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> was, was that they just thought your idea was bad? The idea was that, and like this mobile won't work. I personally understand that we are letting users to connect Wi Fi easily. We are sp skipping some uh, registration flow. So, is that against the law or is that against the policy? What, do, what does Wi Fi providers think? So just very negative yeah. things in general. They never use our services, but just complain. So you would use the magic wand to make people more supportive or to maybe criticize you in more positive ways? Uh, I will say that if you're not using, do not say, uh, say a word at all. <laughs> <laughs> New services is not perfect at all, far from perfect. There is some risks and there is some bugs or problems, but um, who knows? If user exists and they love us, it's good things. Yeah. If I complain from users who are using our apps and saying that it's not working or there's a bug or this Wi-Fi cannot connect it, I will do everything to uh, make it happen, make it better. I want them to use our app. And well, if they want to complain, <laughs> they use our app and not use to just complain. If you, you have no intention for our app, 
Don't use it and don't complain it. <laughs> but if you're using it and have a good idea, feel free to complain. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, listen, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I Thanks. really appreciate it. Thanks. And we're back. I love the fact that Town Wi-Fi has been able to beat out NTT as a tiny team with no marketing budget. These kinds of stories show us that the playing field is really starting to level and that Japanese users will choose a good user experience over a famous brand. And both of these trends are great news for startups in Japan. Now, Town Wi-Fi still has some challenges with monetization. And after the interview, Takahiro and I discuss some of the other strategies that they'll be rolling out later this year. But they've been able to achieve an impressive global user growth on a very small budget. However, the one part, the only part really, of this story that makes me want to step back a bit and put away my Japan cheerleading pom-poms is how hard it was for Takahiro to get that initial support from his friends and family when starting Town Wi-Fi. He was even shot down by the internal innovation team at Rakuten, and Rakuten is one of the leaders in internal innovation programs here in Japan. Of course, there's something to be said for the idea that none of this should really be too easy. Perhaps without someone with Takahiro's commitment, Town Wi-Fi would not have survived its early setback and then pivoted its way to being poised for a successful global expansion. We'll definitely be keeping tabs on Takahiro and Town Wi-Fi to see what's coming next. And of course, you'll be the first to know when that happens. If you've ever been frustrated with Wi-Fi connectivity, Takahiro and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 092 and tell us about it. And when you come by the site, you'll see all the links and notes that Takahiro and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And hey, I know you've been meaning to do this for a while now. But now would be a great time to remember to give us an honest review on iTunes. It's really a great way to help us out and help support the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese innovation know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan. <laughs>